We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're brought to you by the Blue Iron Network. We're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason Bulls still very, very quiet in free agency. And guess what? At this point, training camp's right around the corner. Yep. Uh, last time we talked, obviously we talked a bit about Garrett Temple, uh, that whole deal, and then they really hadn't done anything else, and they still really have not done anything else. They actually did finally sign, officially sign Garrett Temple. We were kind of waiting around to see, oh, maybe like since they hadn't announced yet, was that they had, that the agreement was announced the first day of free agency on that Friday. It took a full week for the actual deal to get announced. The Bulls finally announced. They tweeted it out, put it on the website, all that good stuff. So now that's in the books and it's for like under $5 million. We thought that maybe again, that, that since it hadn't been announced that there was such a delay that maybe the bulls were working on something else. Maybe they were like looking to clear cap space with trades to maybe make another move. It turns out, nope, there have been no other trades, really no other significant moves. They have Garrett Temple one year. I saw on Twitter day, that was like one year for basically the room exception, which I guess also kind of kind of plays into that whole thing where maybe they were looking to get used cap room and they kind of just used that money for him. Uh, and then they weren't able to get the cap room, but they just said, here you go, whatever, $4.7, $4.8 million for Garrett Temple, which is probably a bit of an overpay for what he is at this at this point in his career and uh, in this market. But uh, maybe they just really value that uh, great that great uh, leadership he's going to bring, which apparently is still pretty good. I don't want to downplay that too much. But uh, yeah, besides that, really nothing else. No other significant signings. They did uh, announce that Noah Vonley will be cutting the training camp. Bulls legend, He, if you somehow uh, forgot, which obviously would be very easy to forget that, Noah Vonley was on the Bulls a couple years ago. Uh, I believe that was two years ago where he got some kind of just garbage minutes at the end of the season. He was fine. Another big man. I know a lot of people also were thinking that because that they were making that signing that, oh, maybe a Thad Young trade is coming, maybe something like that. I assumed right away it was just a camp deal, non-guaranteed, that he's just coming in to – fight for possibly a roster spot. Maybe ultimately, maybe he does beat out somebody like Luke Cornett and he gets waived. Uh, I'm not really counting on it. No, has already been on like five or six teams after he was, I believe a lottery pick coming out of Indiana. Uh, again, a big man, the okay jump shot. I think a lot of people valued his versatility coming out, but just really hasn't panned out for him in the NBA yet. Again, probably a camp deal probably will be waived, but maybe he impresses in camp and he ends up stealing a roster spot. From somebody. They also, uh, picked up Zach Norvell Jr., who I believe was with the Lakers most recently. I think he spent some time with them, but he's also a Chicago guy, right? He went to Gonzaga, and I think he went to Simeon. Is that correct? Yep. 
Yeah. So he was with, he spent, okay, last year he's played five games, three with the Warriors, two with the Lakers. Obviously, barely didn't do much. He was just kind of more of a G League guy, two way player. Um, and now they're, they're bringing him to training camp as well. Again, he's a wing. He is uh, like 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six. Again, from Simeon, he went to Gonzaga, pretty good shooter, shooter in college. Again, this is just another kind of a training camp move. Uh, which I believe the training camp roster is now something up to, I think, 19 players if you include the two two-way guys, which is Adam Makoka and Devin Dotson. Uh, so at this point, it doesn't seem, like you said, it doesn't seem like the Bulls are doing anything else. It seems like they're just kind of running this thing back with with Billy Donovan. Ricky, your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's sort of what I anticipated, I think, coming into the offseason. But then when I actually saw it play out, it just became so much more disappointing. I think everyone in the fan base was really hungry for the new front office to like make a significant addition or to at least choose a path, right? Like especially during an off season where we saw someone like Drew Holiday traded for huge draft capital by the Bucks. Uh, there were there were a lot of teams that you know a team like the Thunder were selling off pieces. The Bulls could have chose a direction during this off season, right? They could have said. Either we believe enough in this core that we want to add to it, or they could have said, we don't think that, you know, the core assembled by the last front office is going to be it long term. So we're going to sell pieces while we can. Well, I do think that given the number of rumors the Bulls popped up in during the draft, that it's likely Karnaschovas and Eversley at least gauge the value of everyone. I think that that's like definitely good process. Uh, yeah, there, were, there were Levine rumors as well. Like Obviously, we talked about the Carter one. There was, a, from a, different, a decent amount of places, Levine rumors, which makes you think that other teams were talking about that possibility. So yeah, continue. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the Bulls poked around on doing something, something significant maybe to the current roster. Uh, They chose not to, perhaps because they didn't like the value coming back. And now what we're basically in for is replacing the worst head coach in the league, Jim Boylan, (laughs) with Billy Donovan, and just kind of seeing what the Bulls have with Donovan. And while I do think the Bulls are like super far away, like what what is possibly the Bulls' upside going into this season, Jason? Like, what Plant. is the best case Plant scenario? Tournament. What happens to the Bulls this year? I think it's make you make the play in tournament and you maybe get lucky there and get one of the, either the seven or eight seed, probably, yeah. right? And then you get pounded in the first round. And what you're really looking for is like significant development yeah. from either Markinen, Carter, or White. Or even Levine, he's you know he's been around the league for a while. I think a lot of people believe he is what he is at this point. Uh, but you could also start to sell off pieces too, right? So yeah. they they had a couple other you know they had a, two different avenues they could have gone down. And instead, they just chose to do nothing and get their own evaluations of these guys. Perhaps try to raise the trade value of their own guys during the season. I'm not totally opposed to it. Like I'm not going to say that you know it's a gigantic failure of an off season. I do think it's kind of a bummer just because like when you look at some of the other new front offices around the league, Daryl Moore going to Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, Troy Weaver in Detroit <laughs> is super active, but I don't know if he's actually helping the team or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a lot of franchises have hired new front offices and those front offices have felt comfortable enough in the assessment of the current roster to make some moves. And it sure seems like the Bulls front office isn't really comfortable in their own assessments of the roster, perhaps because Boylan was viewed uh, so poorly league wide that like you do want to see him with a significant upgraded head coach. So it's a little disappointing to me for sure. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Karnaschovas is a failure. He's already letting us down. Uh, I do think though that in a way it sort of tempers some of the excitement around the initial hire. I think it shows that this is going to be a, probably a long process uh, unless the bulls are somehow going to land a superstar talent within the next 12 months. It's likely that uh, while it's a good thing that they have a new front office, it's still going to take some time to build up the team. Uh, so the bulls got a long way to go and that's kind of where I'm at at the start of this season. I don't really see a ton of upside uh, in the core that Garpax assembled. And I think that it's going to be on Karnaschovas and Eversley to, you know, package some of those guys, make a big move, make bold choices, the type of choices that uh, Garpax wasn't able to make. So a bit of a disappointment so far, no doubt, but I think, you know, it's just going to be a long rebuild. Yeah. I, I wrote something at Forbes today, just kind of about this whole thing. And just, yeah, disappointment is definitely a good word. I, 
kind of with you was never expecting like a Zach Levine trade. I thought like maybe it could happen. Maybe you find something, but we kind of talked about this leading up to the off season with like Lowry's value down with Zach uh, being like pretty good value, but like the bulls would want a lot for him. Um, and then with, with Wendell, I mean, Wendell's value is down, but I think we both agree that he's cl- a little closer to untouchable than Lowry. And then like, you're probably not going to trade Kobe white. I figured none of those guys, the, it was unlikely that one of those guys was going to trade it just because of the circumstances with a weird off season as well. That did, definitely did not surprise me. I am definitely disappointed that they did not move, do more. I mean, I guess they still could leading up to the season. There's still a month left, but it seems like as of right now, there really won't be anything else done around the fringes of the core with other guys with the, with the supporting cast. I thought maybe, I mean, maybe they still will trade Thaddeus Young or Tomas Sedaransky. They obviously have all season to do that as well. Thought maybe they'd trade, look into an auto Porter trade, although Porter can't, can be good when healthy, uh, not being a complete goofball, uh, which there was some stuff online today, which if you have not seen it, go check it out. I don't want to speculate too much, but a interesting auto Porter video, Junior making the rounds on Twitter today. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I mean, like, so yeah, just like, and then obviously we talked about the the roster turn at like just the end of the roster. You have kind of dead guys like Cornette and Archie Jack, and you have Denzel now, and just some of those guys in the end of the roster. Maybe they would bring in some new guys. And if you look, as you look at what the Bulls uh, had, had going in the free agency, they had the mid level, which they use part of on Garrett Temple. They still have the other half of that, and they had the biannual exception. But it doesn't look like they're going to use that at least yet. Like I think theoretically, I know. Uh, Matt from Bloggable was talking about how like it would have been better to just like use the uh, biannual on Garrett Temple and then use the full mid level on maybe a point guard upgrade in free agency. I know the free agency upgrade like free agency point guard class was not good, but I mean maybe that could have been something a route they took. But it seems like they almost went with like the just a very I don't want to say low energy because like you said there are rumors about trades and maybe they were talking trades and they were gauging all that just. In terms of the results, maybe basically like the least that they could possibly do. They made a pick at number four. They're stashing a guy in the second round. They added an undrafted guy, uh, and they made they've made one veteran free agent signing. That's basically like the bare minimum that they have that they could have done this offseason, which is definitely disappointing considering uh, you have a new front office in place uh, t- coming into a team that won twenty two games last year and was abs- a huge disappointment. Like you'd think. You'd want to change up a bit more th- more than that. Right now, they have like thirteen out of thirteen guys from like their full roster last year set to come back, which is just that seems crazy. Like it, it also is kind of funny just as an experiment to see just like how bad Boylan was, uh, and just how much of an upgrade Billy Donovan could be. Uh, this season obviously is going could be really weird with all the COVID stuff still, and like who knows what's going to happen with all that. But just in general, like, even just like taking that out of it, just like bringing this whole roster back, running it back, is just kind of weird. I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Kind of, kind of the same thing as you. I kind of mentioned that this Forbes article today. Like, it's not necessarily the wrong move. They're blank, banking on this player development. We heard AK and Eversley kind of talk about how they thought the young core was decent, has some potential, it was better than what they showed last season. So now they're thinking to use this to try to see what these guys can do, see if with a better coach, if they can actually develop develop them. They have a better player development staff in place right now, which hopefully is huge. We know that Eversley talked about how the player development staff from the last regime, which is like non-existent. So now they have more guys in there. So they'll use this year to, like you said, maybe raise the value of these these guys and we'll see. But like, how, again, yeah, how much better will they possibly be? Like obviously a best case scenario, they, they all take a big step together. They stay healthy. Uh, and they are like a legitimate playoff team. What seems more likely is that they're competing for the play-in tournament as whatever, like a 9 or 10 seed. Uh, I, I do think they should be competing for that. I think they are better than some of those other really shitty teams down at the bottom of the East. But uh, if they're just kind of hanging around the play-in tournament, like they still should be ready to make some big moves. Like if they're if they're just like marginal improvement there, the front office better be ready to make some big moves. Like I said, I'll, I will I will give them a pass here on this off season. Disappointment aside, like yeah, okay, you, you're not going to make the big big moves yet. You want to see what you have uh, and all that. But if like there's no like significant legitimate leap here in, in this upcoming year, like you better be ready to make some big moves. Like, Clock's ticking, bro. Clock's ticking. Like, yeah, what do right, you do yeah. with Markinen? Markinen's up for an extension. So what do you do there? Like, you don't want to lose him for nothing. Also, like, we have no idea if he's any good. Uh, he seems like he could potentially be a prime candidate to deal. But if he has another shit year, how many teams around the league are going to see any potential in him? You know, so like this perhaps could have been the offseason to trade him if you really felt confident that he wasn't 
going to be a good piece long-term, especially when you end up drafting another guy at his position, a power forward uh, is Karnaschovas' first real impact move. Uh, instead, they decide to hold on to him. I think the thing that I'm most excited about for this bowl season is that it's going to be over quickly. Like the, <laughs> pl- the season starts December 22nd. The play-in tournament begins like May 16th. So this is going to be a very expedited season, I think, Uh, you know, hopefully, obviously the main goal should be keeping all the players healthy. And you look at what's happening in the NFL, specifically with the Steelers Ravens (laughs) game, which has now been moved, I think, four times uh, from it originally being scheduled on Thanksgiving. Now it's being pushed back six days later. Uh, It's just crazy. So like keeping the players healthy when they're playing 72 games in a condensed schedule, that's the big thing. Keeping the players COVID free and not letting them spread it to anyone who would be more vulnerable is a big thing. Uh, but, you know, if all that can happen, I'm just going to be excited that, like, it's going to be over soon. <laughs> the Bulls will have their season, you know, come and gone relatively quickly. And then, uh, you know, it's on to it'll be on to the draft. It'll be on to a big offseason with a great free agency class. At that point, Karnaschovas and Eversley, as you were saying, better make some dramatic moves to reshape the roster, uh, depending on, you know, what we see during this upcoming year. Yeah. And, and I guess if things like start really bad uh, and like sell, sell, right sell. off the bed, like start. Yeah. Just, I mean, just start selling right, right away. Like, like even if they did, were, have the ability to turn things around, whatever in a shorter season, like if you're like whatever, a quarter of the way in and it's just like looking like shit, start to sell yeah selling what you can absolutely start moving like and i don't want to say that's definitely going to happen like i look at the if, if they actually do get 72 games in which i have my doubts that that's yeah. actually going to happen uh like i think vegas has them right now at around like 30ish wins 29 30 like and i could see them maybe getting yeah maybe like 31 32 would probably be my guess right now 32 and 40 which i mean would be again i think that should be right there for the playing tournament again with 10 teams in the Eastern Conference, once you get past like seven or eight, like it just goes downhill from there. So like, they should be right there theoretically. And like, I guess you do worry. The one worry is like if they're if they're in that spot that they just kind of stand pat and like, oh well, well we're fine. They kind of like making this play in tournament, then going from there and thinking that then that'll like be enough to sell for a big move in the for in the in the future. I don't know. Whatever. Like, if they get off if they get off to a bad start or whatever, that they should be ready to make moves. If they get off to a good start. Uh, then that's great. Sure. Like then that'll be exciting. Like, I don't want to, like, I, I don't want to be too like down on the season yeah. already. Like, are you, are you down on the season already? Like, it seems like you're already just got like, get me, get me out. Of, I, I know it's going to be weird. Kind of. Like, I mean, what's the, whole- the ups, what's the upside? That's sort of what I'm wondering. Like I, the saving grace is that they're in the Eastern conference. Dude, if they're yeah. in the West, it would be like, yeah, they're the second yeah. or third worst team in the conference. I mean, they'd probably be in the similar space as what, like the Kings and the Timberwolves exactly, probably, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and in the East, the bottom of the East playoff picture is just so uninspiring. Obviously, you'll be getting uh, the Nets to be a bigger factor this year, but uh, that is the Bulls' golden opportunity, sort of. It's just like playing in the East, and like someone's got to sneak into those last couple playoff spots, so maybe it could be the Bulls. Then again, now that the lottery odds have been flattened out, like because of the team, even if they were to make the playoffs, they would still have so much work to do right like even yeah. the best case scenario requires them to do a ton of work to continue reshaping the roster so maybe it's in their best interest to miss the playoffs the lottery odds are flattened so you don't need to be one of the very worst teams in the league to try to shoot way up the lottery standings and you know maybe that's ultimately their best path but yeah you're looking at the end of the east now the bucks are obviously in the raptors are in the celtics are in Heat, the Heat Sixers. are in, the Sixers are in, in the Nets, I would think, are in. And then probably the Pacers. Are you like, they might, the Pacers could be weird if they have all, weird Oladipo stuff. I mean, they still have a good amount of talent, even without. I mean, Sabonis, Brogdon, yeah. Lamb. I mean, they got some guys there. I mean, they, so. Yeah, I mean, they, they basically didn't have them all last season. They won a ton of games. So, like, you figure that, that, like, that's seven right there. So then you're looking at, again, like, the Magic, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Hornets probably is, like, your next is your next tier. So like, I think that leaves, is that leave one team out? So like the bulls could still find themselves like at number 11, if things like go poor, which again, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Like if the bulls do totally bomb out this season, it would not be the worst thing in the world. If they get into a decent position to get Cade Cunningham or one of these other, I mean, there are a bunch of, like, I don't, I haven't looked at the other names, but you would know this, but there are other really good prospects too, that are seen like that would have probably gone number one in this draft, but after Cade Cunningham, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what people are saying. I do think it's true that the top of the 21 class is for sure stronger, but 
also like these guys have only played a couple games so far, so I want to yeah. continue to monitor them without like totally crowning them yet. But yeah, I mean, it should be if nothing, if not a great draft class, it should be a better draft class. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I I still think that like my main takeaway is just that even if Carter really develops well, and even if Kobe makes major strides, and these would all be like very welcomed improvements, obviously, yeah, it would be great. For sure, they would still have significant work to do to to really like build a team that's even in the upper half of the East, let alone one that's competing with, you know, the very best teams in the league for a title. So Karnaschovas, this is why you were hired. You were hired to make these tough decisions. He was hired to, uh, you know, change the entire culture and the habits and the aura around the team. And it's going to require some tough decisions. And eventually he's going to make those. I I believe that he will. He's going to have to because, you know, guys, contracts are going to run out. His hand's going to be forced a little bit, but uh, I wouldn't say that I'm not excited for this year, but the fact that it's just going to be expedited a little bit does sort of make it more palatable when the Bulls didn't make any real changes to the roster. That's totally fair. Obviously, one of the biggest, I guess, I don't want to call it a change, but I'll call it an addition, is their number four pick, Patrick Williams. I am excited to watch him. Hopefully, he does get minutes. I'm not sure exactly what exactly what role that Billy Donovan has in store for him. He's obviously a raw player. He's very young, but I still am excited to see him. And we are going to talk a bit more about him after the break. We're going to get a little insight from the from the Florida State angle. We're going to have Matt Minnick, a, a writer from the Florida State Espionation site, Tom Hawk Nation. We're going to have him on. We're going to talk a bit about Patrick Williams, number four pick. Before that, though, we are going to take a quick word from our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. 2020 has already reshaped how we work. And it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. It's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. Now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidates instantly delivers a shortlist of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear that Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to player, team, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all of their bonuses. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. To begin placing your wagers on football today, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back. We have a guest joining us now. It's Matt Minnick, who has been running the Florida State basketball coverage for Tomahawk Nation. That's the SB Nation FSU site. Uh, Matt's jumping on to talk about Patrick Williams with us because... As Bulls fans, we don't really have much else to discuss that is new and exciting besides for Patrick Williams. I'm very excited uh, for Patrick Williams to join the Bulls. Matt is a credentialed reporter covering the team. We thought, who better to come on, give us some insight into him. So I'm curious, Matt, just from the very start, when Patrick Williams committed to Florida State and when the program was chasing him, uh, sort of like what were the expectations for him, like just from like that earliest point, right, when they first got the commitment, when they were first starting to put last season's team together, uh, and, you know, like sort of where was your baseline for him in those early days is kind of just what I want to establish up front. Yeah, no, happy to be here, guys. Uh, I, I I'm, follow a lot of the NBA uh, as well as college, so it's, it's exciting to talk about one of the FSU's players uh, sort of in their post-college career. Um, I, you know, so that's a good question. And 
to be honest, he's a classic Leonard Hamilton recruit. And what I mean by that is that, uh, so Leonard Hamilton, if, if you don't know, uh, he, he really, he loves length. He loves athleticism and he loves guys who probably haven't played their best basketball yet, you know, in high school. Uh, he is, he is a superb identifier of talent. He will often be on guys when they are ranked down in the, you know, hundreds or two hundreds and, and then they shoot up sort of. Um, and so, what he's liked to do is uh, sort of get a build a team that is sort of a get old and stay old type of team with a lot of guys who have been in the program three, four years, and then supplement them with, with one to two big time athletic recruits that can come in and play a specific role and, and take that team over the top. Uh, so this year, for instance, at Florida state, that guy's Scotty Barnes, right? It's, it's an old team experienced team. He brings in Scotty Barnes. Who's going to play a specific role. Uh, last year, that that guy was Patrick Williams. Now, it's important to note that when uh, Florida State first landed him, he was probably you know mid four star, maybe ranked somewhere down in the fifties. I don't even think he was the highest ranked kid in Charlotte. Um, Duke landed uh, a guy who was it Wendell Moore um, down there, who who was sort of sort of better than Patrick Williams, seen as better. But the folks that I talked to uh, in Charlotte High School, and and by the end of the season, it was clear that look, Patrick Williams was young. He was uh, 18. He, he started college at 17. He was 18 and, and after his college started. And this is a guy who was on a quickly accelerating track. And so coming into Florida State, I think it was always known that he had the potential to be a one and done guy, but he wasn't going to be asked to carry the burden of a team. We had a senior point guard who was the all time winningest player in Florida State history who was going to carry that burden plus another lottery pick. So uh, Patrick Williams was asked to come in and play a specific role. Uh, fill that role, and and he did it well. Yeah, so that role was basically like the sixth man role. I, he won sixth man of the year. Is that correct in the ACC? He did win sixth man of the year. Is that right? He he won sixth man of the year. Okay. I, I think it's so. Florida State doesn't really have um, starters in the traditional sense. Uh, Florida State likes to play. Right. Hamilton yeah. says that, look, my top five guys may not be better than Duke or Carolina's top five guys. You know, you got to remember he's at a school that – at least until the last yeah. couple of years as a football school. And so uh, the, the resources maybe aren't there like at a Duke or a UNC. So he says, my one through five maybe aren't as good as your one through five, but my one through 11 are better than your one through 11. And so yep. he likes to just wear teams down, both over the course of a season and within the length of a game. Uh, and so Patrick was going to be asked to, you know, he was asked to come in and and first of all, um, catch lobs, get out in transition like Florida State likes to do, uh, defend multiple positions. Hamilton loves versatility. He loves guys that can defend, you know, two through four or three through five. Um, and so he, he was, you know, he played starters minutes, if you want to call it that. He, he played, I think, the fourth most minutes on the teams. And oftentimes he finished games, but he didn't start games and and to be to be frank, that just doesn't matter. It's the second year in a row that Florida State's had a first round draft pick go who who what didn't even start a game that year, um, and he's had other guys that maybe started half the games and were drafted too. So I, I don't know that the sixth man really makes a difference. Yeah, for sure. Because honestly, as like a, a draft novice myself who did not watch a lot of college basketball, I. I'm an Illinois guy. I basically watch Illinois basketball, maybe some Big Ten, and then not that much else. I always tell myself I want to watch more, and I just don't. So, like, it's like, and even and even Ricky as like a draft guy. We we talk about all these draft guys on our on this podcast, and like we didn't really talk about Patrick Williams that much, just because like we didn't really have him on our radar. So like I did not know that much about him, and a lot, I think a lot of Bulls fans are probably thinking the same thing. Like they see a guy who whatever came off the bench. Average what nine points, like four rebounds, and all that kind of stuff. And you think we took this guy number four? Like that seems absolutely crazy. But then you read into it more, and like I've read more in depth scouting reports, and a rookie has, done, has follows it more. But other guys that he's read, other experts and like stuff like that, and you kind of see why the Bulls do really like Patrick Williams. Uh, you read so great quotes about his, how he loves to play defense. You see some of the stuff about how he has untapped potential because, as you kind of said, the way that uh, Florida State's coach, the way he kind of fit him into a specific role and that's the role he played. So I guess why, what untapped potential like do you see there that, that he did not show at Florida state that you think could really come out in the NBA and why the bulls and why fans should be excited about him at number four, as opposed to oh, just thinking that, Oh, he's just some bench guy who, who, who didn't like do that much in college. Yeah. So 
So first of all, I think your point about the defense is is a good one. And it's so you're not going to get recruited by Florida State if you don't commit to playing defense. Uh, I think early on in Leonard Hamilton's tenure, so he's been there almost 20 years now. So we're talking 2003, 2004. Uh, he'd re- he he kind of sacrificed his own principles to bring in a guy like Von Wafer, who was a highly ranked recruit that you know had a cup of coffee in the league, but um, you know really a head case. And and he Leonard Hamilton told Von Wafer to leave leave the team midway through his sophomore year. I mean, he benched him, put him down to the end of the bench, and basically said, "Look, you're not playing for me anymore. So do what you got to do." Um, so at this point in in his career, he's not recruiting a guy that isn't going to have a, a tenacious work ethic on the defensive end, whether that's Jonathan Isaac, whether that's Terrence Mann, um, whether that's Devin Vassell, like you're not getting into the program unless you commit to defense. So um, first of all, there's no concerns uh, with his work ethic. I spoke with Patrick on a number of times. His, uh, he's got a very, he's grounded for someone who, who probably has been great at basketball for, you know, the last four or five years of, of his life and always maybe the best on his team. He's pretty grounded uh, he works hard. His coaches couldn't say enough about him. Him as a teammate, uh, his self selflessness and his willingness to to whether that's you know uh, come in early and be the first one in the gym, or whether that's uh, to go and take the the lat you know a big shot at the end of the game. Like he's he's gonna you know be a good teammate. So those are all sort of just like the foundational kind of things that I think. When you, t- when you start talking about the skill sets that a player brings to the table and you start looking at, all right, this guy has this athleticism or this shot, you know, the, the realistic odds that someone reaches their seal- ceiling are probably going to be more determined based on what kind of foundations as a person do they have and, and their work ethic. So, so for me, um, like an Anthony Edwards might have a super high sky ceiling, but is he really going to reach it? I, I would say arguably, you know, probably not. Uh, that's that's a guy that Florida State recruited heavily, kind of backed away at the end. He went to UGA. He was inefficient on a lot of shots. They they had a losing record, I think 5-13 and 13 in, in a kind of weak SEC. Uh, and and I, don't, I just don't know that he has the right mentality to actually reach his ceiling. I think the opposite is true of Patrick Williams. So So he's young, right? He's, he's just barely 19 years old. And I think folks kind of forget that the tape you're looking at at Florida State is when he was just barely 18 years old. He, he just turned 18 a month or two before the season. So there's already been a year's worth of development there, and, and he's going to keep developing. He's got huge hands, tree trunk legs. Uh, physically, he's ready for the NBA. And so now you start thinking about, well, let's, let's talk about his skills. Um, there were a few plays to me that really stood out covering him over the course of the year. I'll get, I'll give you three plays that are all a little different. One of them early, this is more of a, a series of plays early in the year. We're playing Western Carolina. One of those games where frankly, the, the top four team in the country, top five team in the country has overlooked this, you know, crappy, uh, mid-major team, low major maybe. And so they kind of slept walk through most of the game and Florida state finds themselves trailing something like 68, 60, 68, 62 with a few minutes left in the game. Freshman Patrick Williams comes in and he puts the team on his back down the stretch. He finishes with a game high, 18 points. He was seven for seven from the free throw line in a game that needed every single free throw. And Florida state is able to win a game. They should win, but quite honestly looked in jeopardy with a few minutes to go, but true freshman 18 year old Patrick Williams comes in and puts a senior laden team on his back and gets the job done. He got offensive rebounds. He blocked shots and he got to the line in the last few minutes, knocking down every shot. So that, so that's one thing right there Two, you think about his playmaking skills. Those weren't as highlighted as often at Florida State because Florida State wanted, they had a senior point guard and they had another junior point guard. They kind of wanted to get Pat involved on the cuts and the lobs and the spot up threes, but he is a playmaker. And there's a play against Louisville. Everyone loves to show the dunk against Louisville, but there's a play against Louisville in the second game. By the way, Pat played a big role in beating top 10 Louisville twice. Um, so he, it's right before the half. Florida State had been trailing most of the half. He grabs a rebound, looks immediately up court, and kind of with the flick of a wrist, fires a, a cross-court pass from about half court over the corner to a guy standing in three, hits a wide-open three right before the time expires. He's not able to hit that shot if that pass is not right where it needs to be in his chest. 
and the shooter is ready to go. So the, to be able to recognize that the time and the situation and the pass needs to be made, and then to be able to execute it on the run while dribbling with a little flick of the wrist, I think speaks to his playmaking ability. And then three, just his athleticism. Um, he, he, the Tennessee game was probably a great example. They're playing Tennessee in one of those early season tournaments. Patrick on defense is guarding his FSU switches everything. So he's guarding his man on the perimeter switches, uh, gets into the passing lane, deflects the ball, grabs it, go, uh, goes and gets the ball, recovers, goes up Eves ponds. Now Eves ponds for Tennessee sec defensive player of the year is back to defend against the dunk. And Patrick Williams just dunks all over him, you know, posterizes him as a freshman in probably the fourth or fifth game. So that that's three very unique skill sets that you're talking about an 18, 19 year old guy. I mean, with a work ethic to back it up, this guy, for me, he was number two on my overall big board. Uh, how do you see his offense developing the league? Because at Florida State, you know, typically he was sort of a low-volume offensive player. Uh, if you thought he was the second-best player in the draft, like, do you view him as a guy who's going to average 25 points a game? Uh, sort of, you know, where do you see sort of slots in offensively? Because to me, I think he has, you know, avenues where he could still be a good player, even if he's sort of a low volume scorer. Uh, but, you know, potentially some of the stuff he's shown at Florida State in terms of his uh, comfort level handling the ball, his pull up jumper looks pretty fluid. Uh, I definitely think there's some untapped potential there in terms of like, you know, his one on one scoring ability. So I'm curious how you assess that part of his game at Florida State and how you assess it going forward. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was a work in progress when he first showed up to Florida State. So he he you know classic guy in high school who's six eight two fifteen and just dunked on everybody. Um, I, I think that there was when when I first saw him practice, maybe we're talking uh, September. You know, there's some work to do with his with his shot and his mechanics. Maybe get a little bit of a deeper knee bend at the free throw line. Fortunately, he went to the right school. Stan Jones, uh, the assistant coach, is just known for for turning guys around. Um, there's been a number of folks who start come in at a 50% free throw and, you know, three, four years later, they're shooting 80, 85%. Um, Patrick didn't need three, four years later. He was an 83, 84% free throw shooter at Florida state. And, and it was a pretty smooth, uh, repeatable stroke. Um, when, when you, when you get him out to the three point line, I, I think he, he might not ever be the three point shooter that, that Devin Vassell, his teammate that went a little bit lower, uh, in the draft, um, I don't know that he is ever going to have sort of, you know, you know, range that goes out to 33, 34 feet. Uh, but I do think that people are forgetting that the NCAA last year moved the three-point line back. So when you start comparing three-point numbers to years past, it's not the same line that it was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. And, uh, and Patrick's stroke was good. He missed a lot of shots that were just long. You know, so I'd rather have a shooter missing just long than left and right. And and for a guy who didn't take a ton of threes, if he made three or four more, we'd probably be talking about him as a 35, 36% three-point shooter. And and that honestly is where I would see his if he continues to develop, that's probably where I would see him in the league is maybe a 35, 36, you know, maybe 37 if he really, really develops well three-point shooter, which, which frankly, that's right in that, you know, it's never going to be at the same volume, but that's right in that Harden range or that, you know, that Dame Lillard range, they're shooting 35, 36, 37%. Um, and, and then off the dribble is perhaps where he's at his best. He's got uh, a sneaky first step. He's got a pretty good handle for someone his size, and he looks most comfortable shooting, you know, off the one bounce with, with the one or two dribble pull up is when he looks most comfortable as a shooter. Um, so you, you threw out the 25 points a game number. I don't know that, I, that seems high, but I do think that he could be yeah. a, uh, I do think he could be a 20 to 22 points a game guy, particularly if he gets to the free throw line where he knocks down shots, uh, and, you know, and finishes somewhere around the basket in transition. So I, I don't know exactly what pace Billy Donovan's going to want to play at, but I think he could be a 20 to 22 point guy down the road. And when you combine that with someone who can legitimately guard three through five with his size, that to me makes him, you know, that's why I had him probably higher on the board than a Devin Vassell or, or uh, the center at a USC or Obi Toppin 
or uh, or other other folks like that. He just has such great positional size, versatility, and, and can and maybe isn't going to be elite offensively, but good enough offensively to where he'll make for an all around you know maybe third best player on a title team type of thing. I mean, yeah, that's certainly not bad, especially out, out of this draft. If he hit hit all that, I know I've read some stuff about how you kind of handled the ball a lot in high schools. Uh, so it would be it'll be interesting to see how the Bulls use him like that offensively. I, I don't early on. I wouldn't expect that much. But uh, I have one more question about his defense before we talk about uh, his fit with the Bulls. I know like one of the things I read about just like kind of his negative is that he's not the quickest guy. Maybe he has some issues moving laterally. Is that something you're worried about when he's like switching on the guards or guarding some of like the better wings in the NBA? Or do you think that's something that he could legitimately get better at as he gets into the league, as he gets into like a NBA weight program and all that? Because that's just, just like one of the few negatives I saw about his defense is that he just gets blown by a lot off the dribble. Uh, so just curious your thoughts of he, uh, the improvement level there that he could possibly make. Yeah, so I, I think there's maybe I'm going to give a two part answer here. FSU's defense is designed to funnel people. So if you look at their roster, there there is always two to three seven-footers on FSU's team. Uh, they have consistent – last year they were the longest, the tallest team in the NCAA. They are, they are almost always one of the top five tallest teams in the NCAA. Yeah. Um, and so the, the entire design of the defense is to extend pressure, um, force – people to be uncomfortable for force college guards most of whom are not going to go to the nba to be uncomfortable uh to where they make poor decisions you get deflections bad passes what have you and if and then funnel funnel ball handlers into the middle where there is a backline seven footer waiting to swat shots and and they've done that with you know bernard james solomon alabi uh chris kumaji who was the g league like defensive player of the year last year um jonathan isaac what have you so on tape, when you look at a highlight tape, as opposed to watching full games or knowing the system, players like Patrick, like Devin Vassell, like Terrence Mann, they will get blown by uh, because we, we are asking them to extend pressure out to the de- out, you know, beyond 25 feet and saying, hey, it's OK. Look, go for the steal. If you don't, it's OK. We have a seven footer who is going to protect the rim. Um, so that, that is sort of the design of the defense. It, it will lead to guys getting blown by. So I, I want to put that caveat out there. That being said, I do think that Patrick Williams would probably be best used. I don't, I don't think he has any problem defending elite wings. I think if you're asking him to maybe defend, um, you know, I don't know what, whether y'all consider someone like Devin Booker a wing or not, or, or whether you would, you know, certainly, um, you know, yeah. I don't know, someone of that ilk, right? Um, I, I think he right. would maybe struggle if you're asking them to defend a, a legitimate like combo lead guard. I, I don't know that that's where I would put him in the NBA. I think that he, he maybe could do it for stretches, but you're just not getting the best use out of him. But I, have, I don't see any problems with his lateral ability defending uh, big wings. And I think he has the physicality to be able to drop down and defend fours and even small ball fives. I mean, this is this is the guy that I would want defending LeBron James or or Draymond Green in the paint. Uh, you know, two you know two years from now, that this is your guy. Uh, I, I do think an NBA weight and train you know strength conditioning program would want to maybe fit. He seems like his quads are just incredibly large. Maybe there's a little imbalance there between like yes. quads and hamstrings or something. <laughs> Um, cause you, it's like redwood forest, uh, tree chunks out there. Um, so maybe there's an imbalance that folks could work on and, and just him turning 19, 20, 21 is probably going to, his body will naturally grow into itself. Um, but I, I would be maybe slightly hesitant to put him, you know, defending true twos. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll use that kind of just, uh, wrap up here to talk about his fit on the bulls and like in with the NBA, maybe what kind of role he should have. Uh, you kind of talk about how he could play maybe some small ball five, play as a four, because it seems like in the NBA he's probably best as a – I mean, I know positions are kind of outdated these days. So, like, you, there's, like, guards, wings, and, like, big men at this point. And he's just kind of like a big wing. Seems like it could be kind of slide between three or four. Again, I know Ricky has talked about how he thinks maybe some small ball five. I Just, like, looking at the Bulls roster, like, where do you think he slots in? Like, do you think he's probably just, like, backup for Otto Porter and backup for Lowry? Was 
I've also thought just like since they did draft Patrick Williams, like I thought maybe they'll be looking to trade the Bulls will look to trade Thad Young to get him some more minutes behind Larry Markinen. But if they see him more as a three, maybe he'll be Otto Porter's primary backup. I know they have Chandler Hutchinson is there as well. Just like looking at his fit on the Bulls, where do you think he slides in, I guess, right away from the start? And then I guess going forward, like where do you think he ultimately would be best at? I, I think I think maybe those are the same answer for me. I, I, I see him – do I think he could play small ball five? Yes, uh, particularly on defense. I, I think, you know, just because a guy maybe is is a wing on offense doesn't mean that you get to the other end of the court and can't, you know, can't have someone who matches up differently on defense. Right. But um, I, I think that in stretches, yep. you could definitely see him as as a small ball five. It's, it's great when you can have someone who can grab a defensive board and immediately initiate uh, the fast break. And, and Patrick is a guy who could do that. Um, I think though that his best position, unless unless his body really blows up, and and, and I don't know, I, he's what two twenty eight now, maybe two twenty twenty five. Unless he were Something to start like tipping the scales at like two fifty, I would play him as a, as a jumbo wing. Uh, I would no disrespect to Otto Porter. I'd probably let Pat look. It's weird that they didn't have summer ball this year. I, I wouldn't want to rush Patrick into something, you know, that normally you would have had an entire summer yeah. league to to get used to and and start to learn a system, especially a kid that just turned nineteen. So I would, uh, if if I were running the Bulls, um, I would probably allow Patrick to uh, ease his way in over the first couple of you know months, uh, kind of get that summer league that he didn't have a chance to do. I would probably f- start looking for a suitor for Otto, you know, later in the year and, and see if you can offload him. Um, and, and if not, then just, I don't know, start giving Patrick his minutes anyways. And, and, and frankly, I would, the 2021 draft is so ridiculously loaded that I, I'd probably be okay with the fact that if, if I'm a Bulls fan, look, give this guy a year, a COVID year that maybe is going to be weird anyways Give him a year to to develop and and learn the system. Get yourself a top ten pick in the twenty twenty one draft. I think there's probably six guys in the twenty twenty one draft who would have gone number one in this year's draft. So get yourself a top ten pick. Add him to the roster and and really put something on the court um, a year you know year and a half from now. That's funny. We were actually talking exactly about that uh, in the first half. We were talking about the twenty twenty one draft, kind of where the Bulls are going. Like, where, like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to like not do well this year and get a good pick in the draft because they're they are kind of in a weird spot where they've done like nothing this off season and they're trying to figure out what they have in their young core. Uh, with the, with Billy Donovan, I do think they want to compete for like a playoff spot and whatever. We think that they could maybe probably get into the play in tournament, and that's probably their like their ceiling for this year. Like if. It seems like the realistic. Like maybe they they're even better than that. Probably not. Realistically, they're probably like a play in tournament team, or maybe they end up just totally blowing up and they get a high pick. And that wouldn't be the worst thing. Was they kind of reset, maybe reset this rebuild. You have Patrick Williams. You get a high pick in twenty twenty one. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. We'll see. Ricky, do you have any any final qu- uh, thoughts here or, or questions for Matt? Uh, Matt, I guess just your, Matt, your final just kind of message to Bulls fans about Patrick Williams, just kind of wrap it up nicely in a bow here. You you got it. You got a great player. You got an even better person. Um, he's someone that I I wish I would have loved to have seen in Tallahassee for a second year, uh, because I think his development between year one and two was going to be tremendous. And my guess is you'll see the same thing in the NBA, um, flashes of brilliance in year one and, and really see a jump that year two. Um, and, and I think that you have that rare com, you know, prospect who has both a, a kind of a high floor because of his defense, but frankly, maybe the highest or, you know, top five highest ceiling in this, in this draft too. Awesome. Also, uh, just give a shout out to where people can find your stuff for the value on Twitter, social media, anything like that. Yeah, I, uh, I, social media gives, you know, grinds my gears, but, uh, you can follow Tomahawk Nation at, at Tomahawk Nation <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, and Perfect. then there's, we, you know, we put out a lot of, a lot of Florida State basketball content all through the year. And, and then we got a podcast too, the Tomahawk Nation podcast. And, uh, frankly, Scotty Barnes, we talk about the 2021 draft. Scotty Barnes is a six, eight, 225 pound. Stop me if that sounds familiar. 
uh, legitimate. He's going to play point guard for us. He he backed up Cade Cunningham in high school. He's playing point guard for Florida State. Um, you know, big, long, athletic, and he's going to be someone who goes in the top twelve of next year's draft. So if you don't want to be blindsided by, you know, who Pat Williams was like, or that was Scotty Barnes, come on over <laughs> to Florida State, check it out. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate all this insight. Again, I think Bulls fans should be pretty excited about Patrick Williams. Hopefully he gets he has a good role. We, again, we got training camps starting this week. I believe it starts tomorrow. Individual workouts for the Bulls, and they'll start group uh, group workouts, I think, the end of the week or maybe next week, something like that. But either way, Patrick Williams should be an exciting prospect to watch. Hopefully he is a big part of this a Bulls turnaround. Because obviously, it's been a pretty miserable time for Bulls fans the last couple of years, so... Uh, thanks again, Matt, for joining us, uh, for here, us here at cash considerations, uh, as always shout out to the blue wire network, shout out to our sponsors, indeed and bet online, uh, go listen to all the other great pods again with training camp starting up. There's gonna be a ton of great NBA coverage out there. It's been a crazy off season, super short. Now we're getting right back into this season. It's probably going to be a weird season with, uh, COVID still running wild out there. So We'll see how everything goes there. But again, we're going we're gonna to be here at Blue Wire and Cash Considerations pumping out great content, continuing. So again, go check out all the other pods if you want to listen to other great NBA content. There's also plenty of other sports for us here at Cash. Rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. Let us know how we're doing. You know where to find us on Twitter, at Bulls underscore J, at SBN underscore Ricky. So for us here at Cash Considerations, Jason Ricky. We'll talk to you guys next time. Happy training camp. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.